0: Welcome to the Legislate Podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome Dan Swigart on the show. Dan is an entrepreneur, founder, board observer, guest speaker, and mentor on entrepreneurship and raising investment. Dan, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. So I started my first company at 21 straight out of university, which was Alpaca, a social network for travel blogging. Uh, We raised a significant amount of investment for that at Seed. And we launched all across Europe, Southeast Asia. But at one point in time, we had an investor which dropped out last minute. They were meant to invest a quarter million pounds, but they didn't. So I ended up going $30,000 in personal debt in order to keep paying my team. And struggling to keep moving forward. In the UK, I I was finding it really hard to raise investment So I took out a credit card, flew to Silicon Valley, and I was living in Silicon Valley in a garage. I was paying $1,000 a month living with other tech entrepreneurs. Some of them went through Y Combinator shortly afterwards, and I was living off spaghetti and tomatoes, the cheapest food I could find, and I was literally on the streets with a sign saying we're raising investment, and I was like five minutes from Facebook, Google, Mark Zuckerberg's house, and after three months there, we managed to raise our investment, and I flew back to the UK. And... A year or later, COVID came. That completely <laughs> killed us in the end, being in the travel industry. But since then, I've been lecturing universities um, and accelerators and mentoring entrepreneurs, especially around raising investment and how basically how to start the starting steps of building a successful startup. And right now, I've just come to the end of my experience on Entrepreneur First, which is one of the world's top startup accelerators. It's similar to the YC of Europe, what a lot of people call it. And so I'm building a new startup through that
0: right now. That's a really fascinating story and congratulations on persisting through. Why go to Silicon Valley to raise that capital versus in Europe?
1: With my first company, Alpaca, we were a social network. And has anyone ever heard of a successful social network? Not in the U S there's not many. (laughs) So that kind of business model where it's all about user focus and growth is only in the U S. So we've really struggled to raise from, uh, European institutional investors. Most of our funding, almost all of our funding came from angel investors in different parts of the world. And the U S was this amazing place where dreams could come through, come true. And the contacts you meet there, the people you meet there, like for example, one day I was in a coffee shop and I met a guy called Rich Page. He's one of the guys who set up Apple with Steve jobs. On my plane over there, I met the guy's wife who created the touchscreen for the first iPhone or iPod at the time. So yeah, it's just an incredible place with incredible people. So that's what brought me there was the need to raise money. But when I was there, I found this incredible ecosystem of entrepreneurs, the sense of entrepreneurship in the world. And it's just incredible the, the caliber of people who you meet and the pace everyone moves there and the knowledge and the networks people have.
0: And, and what tips would you give to a European founder trying to discover that ecosystem to fight,
1: go over there, uh, meet as many people as possible if you can, and if you're able to live in a hacker house. So it's a group of guys in their twenties and thirties all working for startups. A lot of them are they're co-founders and that's a good way initially in, or just go to as many networking events as possible. You know, there's always something going on in the Bay area. And as soon as you meet one person, they introduce you to 10 more. So if you're over there for three months, you keep going higher in these inner circles. And it's just incredible who you meet and how quickly you meet people.
0: That's really exciting. And, and congratulations for just booking that ticket, which, I'm sure not everyone would have done, especially taking that personal risk as well with the credit card, so well done. So from that journey, what was your favorite moment?
1: So with Alpaca, we actually, before that happened, we launched across Europe and Southeast Asia. So I had a team of 12 people. And we traveled to all the big hotspot locations for uh, backpackers, travelers, tourists, and we promoted to thousands and thousands of our earliest users. We did big events and nightclubs. We had beach parties um, with divers clubs attending on beaches in Bali. So that whole experience of just meeting our users, seeing them love the platform, and then being in Silicon Valley, meeting people. For me, it's all about the journey. So it's who you meet and what you learn along the way. And those four years of alpaca taught me Everything I know now, I got me introductions to the right people in the right place and it's just the journey of being with my team on that journey. Yeah. That was incredible Through the ultimate highs and the ultimate lows. They were, they stuck by my side for all of it.
0: Well done. And what do you wish you had known before starting that entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, it's always, this question is always asked and I never have a good answer because I always say, you know, I did what I did the best at the time. But every single day in entrepreneurship, you're learning more and more. So I think every day I do something differently, but I think the big thing is raising investments. One of the hardest things in the world to do, selling a dream in a piece of paper, and it took me four years to master how that process works. Um, and now it's why I mentor and lecture on and advise people on. Um, so that's one thing I wish I'd known years ago, because that just would have made my life so much easier. I could have done you know what I did in three years in one year and more in less time in like six months. And that's why now, because I've got a fresh start with a new startup and these massive corners, which before would have taken me a long time to learn and go through. And that's the same with my new team. We're all second time founders. So I'm seeing the same with them. They know what to do. We all know what we're doing. We're moving forward much faster. Whereas when you're a first time entrepreneur, especially if you're straight out of university like I was, you know, absolutely nothing. And arguably I still know nothing, but I know more than I did back then. Yeah, sorry, not a direct answer to your question, Then.
0: No, I think that's right. I'm a first-time founder, although I worked in a startup before, but I'm definitely learning on the job, and I'm actually quite jealous that you're a second-time founder because you know what not to do, and I don't necessarily know that yet. So I'll have to you know, go down rabbit holes and fall into some traps, but hopefully climb out quickly enough to not die, if that makes sense. And now you're having your second shot with entrepreneurs first what tips you know would you suggest to someone starting a business or wanting to apply to a accelerator good question
1: to be honest every accelerator is different and entrepreneur first is very unique in that they accept individuals not teams so you go in as an individual like i went in as a ceo and they match you there's 80 people half are ceos half are ctos the ctos have all had you know worked for google or they've got phds in ai one of the guys in the program he'd help help build alexa um he'd work for amazon and the ceos are mostly second-time founders people who've worked in McKinsey or other places everyone's from oxbridge or stanford apart from me but everyone else was so there's an incredible caliber of people and then you're in a room for three months and you've got to find an idea form the idea then you pitch to them then they invest so it's quite a unique structure most accelerators are Much different where you apply as a team and you get in based on your traction. But you got to be careful a lot of accelerators aren't that good. And there's only a few which really add value. So you need to understand what value they add. Usually it's the content they provide is massive. That's hard to tell beforehand, but more so it's the external viewpoint. If they're backing you, if they're investing in you, how does that increase your sort of your demonstrations of your higher value, like how valuable you are? So investors will naturally invest more into a startup, which has been through a top accelerator, even if it's an identical startup, not on an accelerator. So like, those are important, but you just need to make sure you choose the right one for you and then make sure it's adding value. It's meant to accelerate you. So make sure it does accelerate you.
0: That's great. We didn't go for an accelerator, but it's true that you can access a whole network and it would be much harder without an accelerator. So now you've been through Entrepreneur First, you found a co-founder and secured investment for your next business. I appreciate your next business is still in stealth. So ideally, where would you like to see yourself in the next five years?
1: Good question. Hopefully unicorn status. (laughs) This new idea is go large or go home. So hopefully we would have pulled it off by then. Yeah, it's uh, super exciting. It's in the, it's web free in the web free space, which is a hot topic right now. I mean, we're getting some nice traction with it, so we'll see probably will go back to silicon valley and we're based partly over there partly over here or essentially new york as well because we do need a u.s influence on it so yeah the journey continues um even though that's one chapter for one startup it's the next chapter for the next one so it's uh nice to see the feels like it's still moving forward it's just i've changed you know it's changed name but it still feels like the same startup even though it's completely different if that makes sense
0: yeah It's um very exciting. And uh, I imagine Well, it, it's always exciting to build a business in the US. We're not there yet, but hopefully. So as a founder, I imagine you've encountered quite a few contracts, quite a bit, what are the the main contracts that you've encountered?
1: Most of the contracts personally um, with me has been investment purposes. And yeah, it's mainly just making sure the term sheet is nice. There's no, there's a lot of sharks out there, especially with You know, a lot of angel VCs. there's a lot of sharks and if they dictate the terms, then it's could end up nasty in the long-term and as a first time founder as well, it's quite daunting these different terms and what it means. And you're just, they're dangling a carrot in front of your face. So you just want to take the money, but actually there's a huge downside if you take the wrong deal. So just making sure you choose the right deal for you and not just accept the first check, which gets offered to you basically. So there's quite a few investors we've turned down based off of that. So that's the yeah, it's probably the important thing which I've learned is to work with lawyers to understand the terms. Or you create the terms yourself, which is better because you understand it.
0: Yeah, that's great. And with those terms, you know, what should a founder be looking out for? You know, what is a red flag for you?
1: Good question. There's a lot of stuff on there. Things like anti-dilution, you know, there always needs to be dilution. Never have anti-dilution. Some angel investors try and wiggle it in, but it's just going to damage you long-term. But it's also in like the preferences upon exit, like who gets what. I remember there's a famous story a few years ago of entrepreneurs who sold their company for hundred million, but they didn't receive a penny because the terms were fixed. So basically the, the VC got all the money. And so just avoiding situations like that. My legal jargon and legal knowledge isn't that good to explain exactly what happened and went wrong there, but. Just things like that, you need to make sure you avoid just to make sure the terms are friendly you know,
0: they're founder friendly terms. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I'm conscious that I've taken already a lot of your time. So um, I'm going to ask you the closing question that we ask all our guests. So if you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? We're going to go into
1: fundraising mode soon. So a nice term sheet following off my previous answer would be nice. Yeah, to be honest, that's the best kind of, I think, legal document. So uh, money coming in, you're giving a piece of paper and you get money back. So that's the best kind of legal document, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, perfect. Best of luck raising that investment, which um, I'm sure of your experience and now Entrepreneur Thank will, you will help. Thank you very much, um, Dan, for taking the time and, uh, yeah. and hopefully speak to soon.